بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله وبارك على الأشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد Alhamdulillah, in this uh, lesson, we'll continue with some of the shurut of the salah. Um, now, we'll continue with some of the shurut of the salah. Alhamdulillah, in the previous lesson, we were discussing the, the wudu itself and some of the fara'id or the furud of wudu. Obligations of wudu. As so we mentioned, the six obligations for the wudu. Six obligations for the wudu. The first of them being washing of the face, which includes the mud mother western shark. So the first condition or the first uh, obligation is the washing of the face, then performing the mud mother western shark, and taking the water up the nose, taking the water in the nose. Explain it as well as the gargling of the water in the mouth. Likewise, you have the second, which is the ghusl yadain ma'amir faqeen. The second obligation, which is the washing of the arms, of the, of the hands, all the way up to the elbow. The next obligation is the mess ma'amir the next is the wiping over the head, including the wiping over the ears as well. The fourth obligation is the ghusl rejilain. The fourth obligation we mentioned was the washing of the feet, including the ankles. The fifth is that this is done with tartib. The fifth is that it's done in order. And the sixth is that it is done يعني, in a manner which is one after one after the other. So the limbs are washed one after the other without any gaps. And so this was the or these were the six of the obligations when it came to the when it came to the uh, Thereafter, we mentioned as well, we discussed the nawaqid al-wudu and the things that nullified the wudu. Does anyone mention, remember what we mentioned from the Kalam of Shaykh ibn Baz? He, he divided these, type, these into two types. He divided them into two types. What are the two types that he mentioned? The two types of wudu. Or the two types of nawaqid al-wudu, rather. Naam. So one the one set of of nawakid, so one set of things that are nullified that are agreed upon by Ahlul Ain. And then the second, which obviously would be what? Naam. So the second types are those that are differed upon by Ahlul Ain. Naam. And so here is mentioned that the nawakid are thamani, that they're made up of eight. Eight uh, nullifiers. 
So some of those nullifiers will be those that are agreed upon and some of them will be those that are differed about, differed over. Now, and so from them that were mentioned, the first was that which exits the front or back passage. Now, so whether that be ur urination or uh, excrement. When a person defecates. So if it's from the back, front of the back passage, then this is something that nullifies the wudu. Naam. Thereafter, uh, it mentions anything that exits the body part, which is regarded as being nejis. Something that exits the body, that exits the body, leaves from the body, which is regarded as being impure. Uh, about as, as in large amounts, in large quantities. Now, so Afon, so the first, so if, something, if you say something, uh, leaving the front passage, do uh, something that nullifies the wudu. Is it something which nullifies the wudu, which is agreed upon or is different upon? It's agreed upon. Now, so it's agreed upon. And the back passage, likewise, agreed upon also. Then this one, where we mentioned any form, any uh, substance that leaves the body in large amounts, which is regarded as being nejis. Naam, so for example, vomit. Or naam, vomit or pus or the like of that. If it leaves the body, if it comes out of the body in large amounts, then this breaks the wall door. Is this something which is agreed upon? No, this is one of the points, this is the one on the market. This is one of the nullifiers of the wudu which is differed upon, which they differ upon. The next is the zawal al -aqan. Now, so the next is the when the person's intellect is removed. So the intellect becomes removed when this is due to, this could be due to sleep or intoxication or even an illness. And if a person loses intellect or sanity, then this is a, something that nullifies the whole law. And which of the two types is this? The agreed upon or other than that? It's agreed upon. No, it's agreed upon. Likewise, we have as well after that, the touching of the woman with desire. Touching the woman with desire is this something that nullifies the wudu? And or they say this something that nullifies the wudu. Is this something which is agreed upon, or, or there's a, there's a different sort of opinion? Different sort of opinion. And what is the proof for those that say this is something that nullifies the wudu? What is the proof that they use? What is the proof that they use? So they say this nullifies the wudu. Uh, touching the woman with desire. The, the, that wouldn't be a proof to say it nullifies the wudu then. What's the proof to say it, it nullifies the wudu? Those that say it nullifies the wudu. Oh, la mastamun nisa in the surah to nisa. Now, the state of Allah Ta'ala referring to oh, la mastamun nisa. And so they say due to this, touching the woman is something that nullifies the wudu.
now if we if we come to touch the women. Uh, for those that say it does not notify the wudu, what do they mention as their proof? First of all, what do they mention in response to the ayah? To those that use the ayah as the proof? And what do they mention as their proof as well? That it does not notify the wudu. Yeah. No, so the first thing, the, the word la mastum, refer, uh, we mentioned in the ayah, is not just a mere touch of desire, but rather the intercourse. This is what it mentioned. This is what there's the ma'ana and the murad, the intent uh, in the ayah. That's the first thing. And as for the delil that they use as well, the delil, mentioned earlier by one of the brothers. No, the Prophet Sallallahu would kiss his wives and then go out and pray the Salah before the Salah, not before the Wudu. Jayyad. Um, thereafter, it mentions as well from the Nawakid of the Wudu, things that notified the Wudu, is touching the private part. Is this something which is agreed upon or disagreed? Okay. Or, or there's a there's a khilaf, should I say? Now, there's a khilaf in regards to that as well. And also the washing of the deceased. Now, the washing of the deceased. Is this agreed or disagreed upon? Or this, now, is this agreed upon or is there a khilaf in, in regards to that? The washing of the deceased. To say that this nullifies the order. One of the two, it's different. It's different. Now, as for what is the evidence that people say, or what is the reasoning they they use to say that a person must perform the wudu? You might touch the private parts of the deceased. They say that that's the ghalib and that would happen for the most part that they will touch the private part of the deceased. Likewise, as well, I didn't mention the hikmah in performing the wudu? No, it's a means of uh, tajdeed or, or to increase a person's energy due to the fact that if a person was to wash the deceased then it would cause or in, in the action of washing the deceased it could cause a person to become weak and weakened by it now because it's strenuous now, because you're, you're lifting up a person, a human body, so it's going to be heavy. Now, so this is difficult upon, but just to mention as well, for what's apparent that this uh, opinion to say that it, it nullifies the wall ball is one which um, is not uh, the rajah, the rajah as well, that watching the seas does not, does not nullify the wall ball. Why? Because there's no uh, actual evidence to mention that it does nullify the wall ball and Allah Ta'ala knows best. Um, and now, and then the eighth mentioned here is the uh, the one that apostates from Islam. So apostasy causes the person to break their order. Now, causes the person to break the order, as mentioned here. This is different upon that, right, as well. Now, Afon, just going back one step as well, 
Now going back to the to the furu. So we mentioned the furu, the six uh, obligations. Now the six obligations. And quickly, what were they? So washing, washing the face, the arms. Now wiping the head, washing the feet. done in order and it's done without any breakage so what is the proof for the first four the ayah <laughs> there's a lot of ayah the ayah is the ayah ya ayu alladhina amu ila kuntuna salati faksilu wujuhu la wa aidiyakum ila marafiqi وَأَمْسَهُ بِرَؤُوسِكُمْ وَأَرْجُلُكُمْ إِلَى الْكَعْبِينَ Now, uh, as for the next, um, the next obligation, which is the Tadatib, is order. What is the proof? That this is the obligation, to do it in this order. The same ayah. Now Allah mentioned that in that in that order, and because Allah mentioned in that order, we do we perform the wudu in that order. Now, and what is another what is an narration that supports that? Now we begin begin with that which Allah began with. Now, this narration Aslan is based upon what act? This narration is derived as discussing what act specifically. Now the sight between Safa and Mara. However, the principle can be built upon it. Now the principle can be taken from it. Does that make sense? And then the final one, the Al Mawala, so that the washing is done um, without any breakage. What's the proof that this is an obligation? No. 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 So what, why is this a proof? Is, a, is the proof or why is it the proof? That is that you, that you can't have any breakers. It will be the act and then the Prophet told him what? Nah, so he, he commanded him to go back and perform the wudu again. Now from the beginning. So we understand that from this narration, because the fact of the matter is that what we understand from the narration is that he did not wash the feet properly. But the Nabi did not tell him to go back and wash the feet again. He commanded him to perform the wudu again from the beginning. Nah, and then uh, perform the salah again. Wallahu ta'ala. A'lam. Tayyip, as for what we're going through today, then we are now going on to the sixth, now the sixth condition. The sixth condition is the satr al-awra, so the covering of the awra, covering of the private, private parts. And Sheikh Ibn Baz, rahimahullah, he says, لا بد أن يصلي وهو ساتر أورته. 
Naam. So he is a master. A person when he's performing a salah is that he's covering his aura. And the aura, his aura is from the navel to the knee. Naam, the navel to the knee. Yastaruha ala sahih. And that which is the correct opinion is that he covers that. وَالْمَرْعَى كُلَّهَا أَوْرَهِ إِلَّا وَجْحَهَا لِكَوْلِهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم الْمَرْعَى أَوْرَهِ Naam, and so, as for the woman, then all of her is regarded as being the awrah. All of her is regarded as being the awrah. Except for her face. And this is due to the statement of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where he mentions that the woman is the aura. Like the woman herself is the aura. Except for her face, as Sheikh Mubaz mentioned, that Fiyah, she removes or she uncovers that within the Salah. إِذَا كَانَ مَا عِنْدَهَا أَجَانِبْ يعني أَسُنَّةَ كَشْفُ And so if there are no foreign men present, a stranger, strangers present, if there are no strangers present, then she will uncover, she can, it's from the sunnah, for us to uncover her face, أَيْنَ السَّلَامِ وَاَخْتَلَفُ الْعُلَامَاءِ فِي الْكَفَّيْنِ فَأَجَازَ بَعْضُهُمْ كَشْفَهُمَا وَأَوْجَبَ بَعْضُهُمْ سَتْرُهُمَا فِي الصَّلَاةِ وَالْأَحْوَدِ سَتْرُهُمَا كَمَا قَالَ الْمُعَلِّفِ أَمَّا بَقِيَّةِ الْبَدَنِ فَإِنَّهَا تَسْتُرْ قَدَمَيْهَا وَبَقِيَّةِ بَدْلِهَا فِي الصَّلَاةِ نعم إلا إذا كان عندها أجنبي فَتَسْتُرْ وَجْحَهَا أَيْضًا Naam. And so, as for her hands, the palms of her hands, then Ahlul Ilm, the scholars, they differ in relation to whether she should uncover the hands. Some of them state that it's an obligation for her to cover the hands. And Sheikh Mubaz, he mentions here, and uh, that which is safest is that she covers them. And this is the opinion as well of the Mu'allif, referring to the Mu'allif, Shaykh Islam Muhammad Abdul Wahab. And this is something that you find really quite often from the Kalam of Shaykh al-Mubaz. The Shaykh al-Mubaz will mention, مثلاً, a mas'ala, and you'll say within this issue, within this mas'ala, there's khilaf, there's a difference of opinion. However, that uh, what is best for the person to be upon is the opinion, this particular opinion, يعني خروج من الخلاف. So that he is free of the difference. Or he says that the person takes this particular opinion because this opinion is ahwat. It's a safer of the two. Naam. So, when you look at Masail, and sometimes a person may look at a mas'ala and see that the mas'ala is sa'ab. There's some difficulty when it comes to forming a, a, an opinion which is absolutely kata'i. Yeah, my person has a definitive opinion in relation to it. There's no harm in a person saying, I'm going to take the opinion which is Ahwat. 
take the opinion which is the safest opinion. And this is the this is the speech of the Shaykh here in this in this regard. I the covering of the hands is the safer of the two. Um and then he goes on to mention so then as for the rest of the woman's body then it's upon her to cover. Except for if she is uh, in the presence of a man that is not her mahram in the ajnabi, then she covers the face as well. Amal ama fafiha khilaf ba'da ahlul ilm alqaha bil rajal li'annaha mutabaddila tuba' wa tushtara fiha mithlu awrat al rajal wa qala akhirun bal mithluha mithlu al mar'a mithlu al hurra لإموم الأدلة وأعوى الأحوط لها أن نعم نعم لها تستر كالهرة خروجا من الخلاف نعم so the sheikh he mentions here that there is a difference of opinion in relation to the أما right the slave woman so we discussed already the man, this aura is what? What's the aura of the man? Navel to the knee. Naam. The aura of the woman? Whole body. Except for the face. And when will she cover the face? If there's no mahram. Naam. Tayyip. So now the discussion after that is about the slave woman and there's a difference of opinion. Some will say, and some mention that the slave woman, her aura is like the aura of a man. Naam, the slave woman, her aura is regarded as being the same as the man. Why? Because she is known to, to, to work and she is some, uh, and regarded as being a commodity. So she doesn't take the same ahkam as the general woman. Now, so she's known to be a commodity, meaning that she is bought and sold. And some of the scholars, they mention, no, Rawa, her uh, aura is like any other woman. Due to what we understand generally from the Adilla, that she is like the one that has liberty. She's like the, 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 free, the free woman. And so, Sheikh Bin Baez, again, as we mentioned just not, not too long ago, he mentions that the ahwat, the, 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 state, the safer opinion, is to um, act upon the fact that she is like the general woman. Naam. And to take the opinion that she's like the general woman, so that you avoid the ikhtilaf. Does that make sense? Now, so you have the... You have the the, 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 the aura of the man which is clear the aura of the woman which is clear and then you have a different the discussion about the aura of the slave woman but if a person wishes to step away from the difference of opinion in this regard and take the safer opinion then she covered to cover her whole body anyway now and then there's no issue in that regard Allah ta'ala a'lam and um, now, 
And this is the regard as be now this is the regard in relation to the slave woman. And this is the case, of course, no doubt, so that if you take the opinion that she covers the whole body, then this is a, this is something which aids and <coughs> allows that the the person of course not to fall into any form of fitan as well as that and to free themselves from the khilaf as well and to have burnt and asbab al and to person distances themselves from any means that may cause evil naam and Sheikh Ibn mentions here, "Wa ma'loom an masail al-khilaf, bi masail ishtibah in the khufadari." And so, it's what is known about when it comes to masail al-khilaf. What we understand when it comes to khilaf in masail, a difference of opinion, is due to the fact that there is some form of comparison that can make that can be made between the the, the proof. Or that the proof, there's some form of uh, uh, what can be said in relation to the delil itself that is not absolute within the proof. And so it can be interpreted one way and interpreted another way. And so due to the fact that each thing is comparable, then you find that khilaf occurs. You have a difference of opinion because one set of people will determine it to be one way and understand it to be one way, and other people determine, determine and understand it to be another way. And then the Shaykh mentioned the statement of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that leave that which is doubtful to you, leave that which causes you doubt, for that which does not cause you doubt. Likewise, Uh, the statement in and whoever fears this affair of doubt, these doubtful uh, matters, then he has brought about and he has distanced himself in a manner for his deen and his honor. So when you have these doubt, these different opinions, then you have mahal shubha, that which is doubtful. So just going back to the masala of the slave girl, then what is better and what is safer is that she covers her whole body, just like the woman, the, the, the free woman. What we understand from this as well, generally speaking, is that when you have these masail, again as we mentioned, the person should not feel any way of approaching a masala in terms of being upon the safer of the two opinions. Being upon the safer of the two opinions. For example, people may state, oh, there's a khilaf, there's a khilafat when it comes to a taswir. And they say, uh, in the picture making, they say that I can take photos, some people say I can take photos. It's khilaf in taking photos. A sheikh so-and-so says you can take photos. Naam. Whilst you have on the other side and those Masahlul that are saying with Adilla Kawiya that taking taking photographs is from Taswir and 
that it falls into those that will be under this la'an and this curse now I'm the curse of the individual or those that are shed al-adab yawm al-qiyam or those that will, that will face the most severe punishments of yawm al-qiyam I taswir taswir if this is, is understood I the picture maker the individual may dispute whether photography enters into that However, if on one side you have the affair of the la'an or shed al-adhab for mas'ala and on the other side you have the best that's going to come of taswir is a nice photo. Nothing more than that. There's not going to be a case where a person is going to say that I benefited in my deen and my akhirah. By way of this photo, But on the other side, it can be said that I may face the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, of course, when Baba Ola, you take that which is Ahwat. Regardless of whether you feel that maybe they might, they might be stronger or, like, or the like of that, why would, you not, why would you not just take that which is safer? This is the, the attitude and this is the manner in which Sheikh bin Bazm has mentioned here, how he approaches the Messiah. Not only as Muslims are we seeking Jannah, we're seeking the rewards of Allah SWT by way of righteous actions, but no doubt we're seeking to be from those that are saved, then you have salvation from the hellfire, that are saved from punishments. And so when we look at Messiah, we look at Messiah with that attitude and with that understanding of the Akhirah. That we are striving to be from those that achieve reward, no doubt. But also we are seeking, we desperately want to be from those that are saved from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is one issue, one example of the masala. Where just take the stone, the, the, what is better for the person, he takes the safest opinion. And he frees himself from any potential harm. And again, this is the affair of the one that has, that exercises wara. And the one that exercises zuhud as well, in this regard. And wara, no doubt, is of one level, and zuhud is of another. Wara is when the individual leaves off the doubtful matters. It leaves off the doubtful matters. While zuhud is when the person leaves off the mubahat, and the things that are permissible. And so, in other words, the person that exercises wara, he leaves off something that may be harmful to him in the akhirah. He's leaving off something that may be harmful to him in the akhirah. Because he has, he's doubt, he has doubt about it. So the fact that he doubts it, means that no doubt he's going to leave it off. Because it may harm him in the akhirah. As for zuhud, then it can be said that he's leaving off something that will not benefit him nor harm him in the akhirah. The reason why this is of a higher level is because he's leaving it off. He knows it's not going to benefit him. He knows it's not going to harm him. So he could, he could potentially still do it. But he's leaving it off due to the fact that it does not benefit him in the akhirah. So he leaves it off. Allah Ta'ala knows best. Now, 
Thereafter we have the seventh condition, which is the waqt that the salah is performed in its correct time. Now the full waqt labud and taqun fi waqt. And it is must that the salah is performed at its time. Yan Allah farada salah fi awqatiha. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the salah an obligation with its time. By many times. Fin salaha kabla waqt lam tasih. And so if it is prayed before its time, then it's not correct. When Salaha Badal Wakt Sahat Malithum. And if it is prayed after its time, then it's a correct prayer, but however the person is sinful and blameworthy. If the person was to have delayed it deliberately. Now, illa idan yajuz idha yajuz lahu at-ta'khir. Except for the scenario where it's permissible for him to delay. And if he suffer or marad. So if a person, for example, is traveling or is sick, by the traveling individual, yu'akhir al-dhuhr ma al-asr. So he delays salat al-dhuhr till asr. Wal-maghrib ma al-ishaa. Or delays Salat al-Maghrib with the Isha. فلا بأس. أما إذا أخرها من غير العذر. As for the one that delays it without any due excuse. وقدمها على الوقت. فلا يجوز. لكن متى قدمها على الوقت بطلت. إلا إذا كانت تجمع إلى ما بعدها. And so, if the person was to bring the Salah forward, so for example, they pray their Salat al-Asr in the time of Dhuhr, then this is Batim. Now, this is false and not accepted. And the only time where the person prays outside of its correct time or outside of its appointed time, should we say, is if the person is making jamr, he's combining. So he's combining between Dhuhr and Asr. So you combine between Dhuhr and Asr in the time of Dhuhr, for example. Now there's no harm in doing so. Now, and this is then they combine if they are, for example, traveling or they're in a scenario where they are sick. Now, the eighth condition, the eighth is istikbal al-Kaaba, yani al-Kibla, la bud an istikbaluha fil farwa nafum. Alayhi istikbal al-Kibla li ayak al-Kareem wa yukulu jallu ala kad naratu kallu ba wajhaka fi al-Samaa fi waliyannaka Kiblatan tardaha. فَوَلِّي وَجْحَكَ شَطَرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ وَحِيثُ مَا كُنْتُمْ فَوَلُّوا وَجُوهَكُمْ شَطَرًا And so, the eighth condition is that the person faces the Qibla, by facing the Qibla, i.e. the Ka'aba. And so it's a must that the person faces it 
in the Fard Salah as well as the Nafil. So they face the Qibla in the obligatory prayer as well as the um, the Nawafil and the voluntary prayer as well. And this is due to the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah that we saw that they would face their face or turn their face towards the sky. And so thus they were commanded to face towards the Qibla. So turn and face your face turn and face and towards in the direction of the Masjid Haram, wherever you may be. And turn your faces in such the direction. So this is the, upon the individual that they pray to turn and face the Qibla. Except if they have an other and other shari'i. Except if they have a legislated excuse and reason. Can Musafir Yusulli Nafila? So, for example, if that person is a musafir, so he's a traveler, and so he's praying the nafila, he prays the, uh, the voluntary salah in the direction that he's traveling. So there's no harm if the person has a legislated Islamic reason. An excuse for not facing the Qibla. Or Marid Laysa Indahu Man Yu Adilahu Lil Qibla. Naam Wakhafa Khurujawat. Or you have an individual he's sick and he's immobile, for example, and he doesn't have anyone that is able to turn him to face towards the Qibla. Naam to face him towards the Qibla. And he fears that the time of that prayer will leave or end. Or for example, Naam. Then he prays in whichever direction he's able to face. And this is in accordance with the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Fattaqullah mastata'atum. The statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fear Allah as much as you're able. Naam. So you have the individual as murid, the individual that is ill. And he's not able to turn and face the Qibla. And he's not able, for Sahaja, or he doesn't have anyone available to him to turn him, aid him and turn him. So he can face the Qibla. So, in this regard then there's nothing upon him. He's not, it's not a case that he is blameworthy in this regard. And he prays in the best manner that he's able to do so. And Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala mentions, Fattakullah mastata'adum. And Allah Ta'ala mentions, Wala yukallifu Allahu nafsan illa usaha. Allah Ta'ala is not going to solve all that it can bear. Amma ma'al kudra fayyajib an yistakwil al-kibla fi al-fard wal-nafil illa fi safar. And as for the one who has the ability, then it's a must that he faces the Qibla in the obligatory prayers and the voluntary prayers, except for if he is on the is on the path to travelling. He's on the course of, of a journey. So that in this regard, then there's no harm in him facing the direction that he is travelling in. Allah Ta'ala, A'lam. And so here, we understand that this uh, affair of uh, a darura, 
الدرورة if it's ضروري if it's an affair which is a necessity then you find that some of the ahkam may differ for an individual and the person does the action to the best of his ability so for example if the person is uh, in need of making wudu however he does not have uh, water present he doesn't have any water present then what does he do? Tiyamu. What if he doesn't have anything to make tiyamun on? What does he do? No. So if he fears that he's going to miss the salah, then he still prays. Now he still prays and he prays based upon the same principle. Now I'm not going to Allah so he does whatever he's able to do in that time. Allah Ta'ala A'lam. So that's the eighth uh, condition. The ninth is a niyyah. لِكُلِّ عِبَادَ لَا بُدْ لَهَا مِنْ So the ninth is a niyyah. The intention. That every action of ibadah must have an intention. Salah, wa sawm, wa sadaqah, wa ghayri dhalik. La abud min al-niyya. So whether it be salah, whether it be the fast and the sawm, whether it be sadaqah, that any person gives sadaqah, or other than that. It's a must that the person has the correct intention in niyya. Fi jami'a ibadat. The person has the correct intention. Nur al-Fu ibadat, due to the statement of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in Amma'ala bin Yad, wa inna ma Indeed, actions are by their intentions. Everyone shall gain that by way of that which he intended. Wa niyya al-qalb. So the place and the part where the niyya resides is the heart. Naam, as-salah, wa-sawm, wa-sa'ad, wa-ibadat, mahalluha al-qalb. So the prayer and the fasting and all the actions of ibadah is from the heart. Naam, illa fi al-hajj. Except for hajj. Fa'innahu yadharuha yulabbi bin-nusuk. Kama fa'ala nabi s.a.w. Amma ma'ada dhalik fa'innahu fi al-qalb. And so, it says, except for Hajj, where a person makes the Talbiyah, I mentioned the intent to do the, to perform the Nusr, to perform the, the rites and the rituals of Hajj. This is the Prophet ﷺ did. Uh, we discussed this previously in Allah was best. But we said that, in reality, the Niyyah for Hajj actually happens before the Talbiyah. Now, the Niyyah for Hajj happens before the Talbiyah. And the Talbiyah itself is not necessarily, and it's not necessarily regarded as being, they uh, mention the Niyyah upon the tongue. Rather, the Talbiyah itself is uh, uh, a right from the Manasik al-Hajj. So it's a right from those different rights of Hajj. And so, it's not just merely mentioning the Niyyah upon the tongue. It's that the person is... Taking the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, his iqtidah Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, taking him to the life as an example. And following 
the Hajj in the, in the manner that he وسلم, performed the Hajj. And so it's not the affair of them just mentioning Niyyah upon the tongue. And the Shafi goes on to mention further what a love of Biha'atum. And rather mention the Niyyah as a bid'ah, it's an innovation. So a person might find saying, No way to an usalliya hadihi bid'ah. No way to usalliya afwan. Hadi bid'atum. On the way to an usuma. So a person saying, I intend to pray. This is a bid'ah. This is what you find. Someone might say, before they, before they begin the salah, before they begin the takbir to ihram, they say, I intend to pray. And they say this with the lafdan, by way of their direct words. They say, I intend to pray this prayer with this amount of raka'at for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa Now, and this is something that was not done by the Prophet This is something that was not done by the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. Now, now, likewise, a person saying, I, I intend to fast, or I intend to give sadaqah, likewise. And this word that you find in Hajj, Labaykul Umrah, or Labaykul Hajjah, or Labaykul Umrata wa Hajjah, these are specific wordings, and it's tawqifiyya, it's wordings that are specific and found in the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa it's not something that relates to uh, saying that the person can now mention the niya upon the tongue in the general sense and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best now now there, so that's that's the conclusion of the shurut of salah that's the conclusion of the conditions of the salah I mentioned there were how many altogether then? none can I remember all of them? Conditions. Islam, the person Muslim. Now. So, I found so we have to say Islam and then intention as the last one. Now. The person has a sound intellect. Now. Tahara, the person has, the person that is uh, in a state of purity. Buluh. Guluk, guluk. Tabiz. Naam. Generally speaking, naam we say buluk. But for the salah specifically, we say tamiz. Tamiz meaning what? Age of the servant. So they are a particular age where they are able to pray and able to distinguish. Now, what else? Facing the Qibla. Rafa al Hadith. Meaning what? Removal impurities from where? From the clothes. Just that? And the place and the body. So removal impurities from the from the clothing, the body itself and the place where you perform the salah. So there's two left. The aura. The khula wakan you pray in a particular time. Now these are the nine. Thereafter, the Shaykh goes on to mention now the, um, the Arkan of the Salah and the pillars of the Salah.
down. So thereafter, the Shaykh goes on to mention the pillars of the Salah. And Shaykh Mubaz, he mentions Yubayn Mu'allif, Rahimahullah, Huna Arkan of Salah, Wahia Arbata Ashara. So there are 14 mentioned from the pillars of the Salah. Naam, Idkhal of Salah, and the Nabi, Fil Arkan, Wa Bainaha, Rahimahullah. And so he clarifies them, discusses them. So, from these arkan, from these pillars, you have the qiyam al qudra. So you have the standing when you have the, if you have the ability. Takbirat ihram. What's takbirat ihram? The first takbir. The first takbir. Thereafter that you have the Qiraat al-Fatiha. Recitation of Surah al-Fatiha. After that, wal-Ruku'ah. Then wal-Rafa' minhu. That a person comes out of Ruku'ah. Yani they, they come out and then they are straight. They stand straight after Ruku'ah. Wal-Sujood. Now performing the sajda, and the sajda is performed upon the seven limbs, the seven body parts. Wajlus bin the sajda and sitting between the two sajdas. This is also a pillar. Watamaknina fi jamil arkan. The person prays with tranquility in each of the pillars. What's meant by tranquility here? We'll go into more detail, inshallah. What, what is meant, is meant by tranquility? Khushu'ah, not necessarily khushu'ah. Khushu'ah to a degree, but something about the action itself. Not rushed. So how do we, how do we determine it's not rushed? So the limbs should be in, the limbs should rest in that particular position. So it shouldn't be a case of your limbs are still moving into that position and then you're going into another another action. The limbs should rest in that particular position. Now, and that these pillars are in order. These pillars are in order. And the final tashahud so the tashahud is one pillar, and also the sitting for the tashahud is another pillar. Wassalah ala nabi, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Yeah, I need the salah ala nabi. When is this when is this mentioned? Now, after the tashahud. So each tashahud is mentioned. No, okay. So all of them, the final shahud, yeah. Now, so it's the final shahud, then you have the salah ala nabi. And then, finally as well from the arkan is the taslimatan, the form of performing the taslim. 
Now, first and foremost, before we look at each of them, the meaning of a rukun, the meaning of a pillar, huwa alladhi la bud min la budda minhu. So it's the thing that is a must. La yaskud la amdan wa la sahwa. And it cannot be removed and it cannot be disregarded, whether that be deliberately or forgetfully. Naam, it cannot be it cannot be removed deliberately nor forgetfully. Hadi arkan bi khilaf al wajibat. Taskub fisahu wa jahal. So we mentioned in relation to the wajibat, then a person can maybe not perform an action which is from the wajibat due to the fact that they are forgetful. Or they don't know. Naam. As for the arkan, then it, it, these are actions that have to be done. It cannot be said that the person just familiarly forgot them, or just didn't know about them. And uh, if you remember, what we mentioned was the clear or the distinct difference between the shurut or a shart and a rukun. Yeah, what's the difference between the shurut and the arkan, or a shart and the rukun? What's the difference between a condition and a pillar? What's the difference between the two? Mm-hmm. If you want a salah, now it's a particular place, okay. And the shurut is uh, starting to the end. The shurut has to be from, has to be present before the action is done, all the way until the action is completed. Now, so the conditions, if you look at all the conditions again, if you look back at all these conditions, they have to be present all the way from the beginning, all the way towards the end. So, for example, a person cannot say now, I'm going to begin the salah facing the qibla, and then after, after a while, I'm going to face somewhere else. Now, it's basically the front of the whole salah. Or the person says, I have in the state of tahara, at some parts of the salah, other parts of the salah, I don't have tahara, but I'm going to complete the salah. No. It has to be from the beginning all the way to the end. As for the rukun, as for the pillar, then the pillar is an action that happens at a specific time within the act. So if you offer the, we talk about the salah, the pillars of the salah, they happen at a specific, yeah, and a legislated time. So for example, from the pillars we mentioned was the Surah Al-Fatiha, recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha. Surah Al-Fatiha is not recited throughout the whole salah. For example, we don't recite Surah Al-Fatiha standing, then record, then sujood. Naam, Surah Al-Fatiha and its recitation has a particular time when it has to be recited. And so thus it is uh, a pillar. It is a pillar. Thereafter as well, we mentioned the key difference between a pillar and a wajib. A pillar and an obligation is that the pillar has to be done at all times and is not excused by way of ignorance or forgetfulness. Whilst an obligation may be excused by way of ignorance or forgetfulness. Allah Ta'ala, A'lam. And the proof of that is the hadith of Al-Masih fi salatihi alladhi allamuhu nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam lamma asa'a fi salatihi And so the proof of that is the one that prayed the hadith the one of the man that prayed badly the one that prayed badly And when the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught him how to pray due to the fact that he was indeed praying badly 
And so he mentions to him, he mentioned to him, if you come to stand in the Salah, then if you come to establish the Salah, then for perform the Wudu and read the Wudu and then face the Qibla and make the Takbir and the Takbir the Haram and thus recite that which is easy for you from the Quran. Listen to the end of uh, the Hadith. Now, and so there's more detail relation to these 14 like, pillars. The first of them was the first pillar we mentioned. The standing, now. The standing. The first pillar. The Quran here, Ta'ala, wa kumu lillahi qanitin. The Mathabat Anahu, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Anahu, Qali, Imran, Ibn Hussein. صلي قائما فإن لم تستطع فقائدا فإن لم تستطع فعلى جنبه. and so we have the mentioning the ayah Allah Taala mentions وكُمُ لِلَّهِ سَمْفُ وَاللَّهِ قَالِتِينَ سَمْفُ وَاللَّهِ as those that are in submission to him and in reference to him. likewise as well the narration which is affirmed from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم Narrated by Imran ibn Hussein, where he mentions pray standing. If you're not able, then sitting. If you're not able, then on your side. And وَلَمَّا ثَبَتْ أَنَّهُ أَنْهُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ كَانَ أَوْ مِنْ كَوْنِهِ أَيْضًا كَانَ يَصَلِّ قَائِمًا وَلِكُوْ صَلُّوا كَمَا رَأَيْتُمُ يُصَلِّي and likewise as well, that which is affirmed from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam himself is that he would pray standing. That he Sallallahu Alaihi would pray standing. And he stated, Sallu Kamara'i pray as you've seen me pray. And so um, he would not pray except for if he had of he was compelled to do so. فالواجب على جميع المكلفين من الرجال والنساء أن يصلوا كياما مع القدرة في الفريضة أما مع العجز لمرض أو كبر السن لا بأس أن يصلي أن يصلي قائدا ولا نعلم في هذا خلاف بين أهل العلم and so, the wajib upon everyone that is mokalif, everyone that is responsible, and anyone that has to pray from the rijal and the nisa, so no, there's no fark between the men and the women in this regard, is that they pray standing up. Now that these individuals pray standing whilst they have the ability to do so. And this is the case in the faridah, i.e. the obligatory prayers. If they have the ability to stand, then they must stand in the salah. As for the one that has a debilitating illness, so the illness does not allow them to stand, or due to old age, then there's no harm in them praying sitting. And we do not know of any difference of opinion in this regard, as mentioned here by Sheikh Ibn Babs. Thereafter, we have Ar-Rukun Athani, the second pillar. 
The second pillar being takbir to ihram. Performing the takbir to ihram. And you kabir ma huna dukhul fi Illa bi takbir. So the person cannot say that they've entered the salah until they perform the takbir to ihram. Naam. Lawqal bin niyyatin niyyatu salah. Ma dakhla fiha hatta you kabir. لقوله صلى الله عليه وسلم لمسيح في صلاتي إذا قمت من الصلاة فأسبغ الوضوء ثم استقبل الكبرى فكبر هكذا جاء في صحيحين في قصة في المسيح في صلاته ولقوله صلى الله عليه وسلم تحريمها تكبير وتحليلها تسليم وهو الحديث الحسن رواه أحمد وأهل السنن بإسناد الحسن عن علي رضي الله عنه عن سو you have the mention here of the takbir. And it's a must that a person enters the salah with the takbir. Even if the person has the knee of the salah, he has the intention of the salah. Naam. Then they have not entered the prayer until they perform the takbir. And this is due to the same of, the, of or this is due to that which is found from the Prophet when he stated to the one that prayed badly. If you come to stand in the prayer, then perform and perfect your wudu. Then face the Qibla, فَكَبِّرْ And then perform and then make the takbir to ihram. And this is, that, this is likewise that which is found within the, the story, which is found in Sahihain, the story of the one that prayed, prayed, prayed badly. Sorry. Likewise, you have the statement of the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, where he mentions that is tahrim, i.e. that which it that is preventive affairs or prevents you from affairs is the takbir. I had the entering of it. I referring to the salah, is the salah. And the, the one that when it, and when you're free from it is the taslim. The reason why and this hadith is a hadith hasan. The hadith is a hadith hasan, and it's recorded by Imam Ahmed and Ahlul Sunan. And this isnad is regarded as being hasan, as narrated by Ali ibn Abi Talib anhu. In relation to the salah itself, and the reason why it's called a takbir to ihram, why is it called a takbir to ihram? Why? Because entering the salah has made certain affairs which are permissible, impermissible. The entering the salah has made a certain affairs which are permissible in Muslim. What can you relate that to? Not, not the actions, but what can you relate it to, sorry? Umrah? Now, the same word, ihram. And when you enter the state of ihram, certain things that were permissible for you to do are no longer permissible. So certain things from the, from the mubahat that are generally, generally permissible to do. Once you enter the state of ihram, it's not permissible. Naam. Likewise, the salah. Certain things that are outside of salah are permissible to do. Once you enter the salah, uh, then it's, then it's not permissible to do. Naam. For example, you mentioned that? Eating, talking. You're not, not permissible to talk in the salah. Not permissible to eat and drink in the salah. To watch it in the salah. Naam. Hence why this is referred to as takbir to ihram. I this this takbirah 
is what enters you into the state. Now, and it is done by way of stating the statement Allahu Akbar. Now, Allahu Akbar, and then you enter the salah. And this is done, and this is done in accordance with the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Due to his statement, Alayhi Salatu Wasallam, Sallu Kamara Pray as you've seen me pray. فَلَا بُدْ مِنْ تَكْبِيرِ فِي جَمِيعَ الصَّلَوَاتِ لَا تَخُولْ فِيهَا إِلَّا بِتَكْبِيرِ And so it's a must that the takbir is performed in all of the prayers. Naam. The person cannot enter except with this takbir. In the takbir to ihram, the statement of Allahu Akbar. Naam. Meaning, no doubt, a jal. In Kulli Shaykh, or Adam in Kulli Shaykh, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah wa ta'ala is more majestic and greater, and greater than anything else. And so, this is in relation to the, um, the Takbir al Ihram, second, second uh, pillar, should I say. The third pillar, Rukun al Thalif, Qiraat al Fatiha. The recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha. The call of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam La fatiha kitab There is no salah for the one that does not recite from the opening of the book in the book Surah Al-Fatiha. Naam. Naam. And thereafter as well, we have the statement of Nabi Sallallahu And so, you have mentioned whoever prays and has not read from the opening of the book, and he does so to the Fatiha, then the Salah is deficient and it's not complete. Now, whether this be the Farila or the Nafila. Whether this be the obligatory prayer or the prayer which is nafila. Now whether it be the obligatory prayer or the prayer which is yani voluntary. This uh, pillar is aam. This pillar is one which is general. So in relation to the imam and the Munfarid, I the Imam, and the one that follows the Imam, then no doubt it's upon him to strike Surah Al Fatiha. Naam? It's one to strike Surah Al Fatiha. So the one that is the Imam or the one that's praying by themselves. Upon him to recite Surah Al Fatiha. Amma fi haqq al ma'amun, fahiya wajibatun fi haqqihi, tasqud ma'asahu wa jahal, wila sabakahu al Imam, fajal Imam. And so, as for the ma'amun, then it's a wajib in relation to him. And it's, it's removed in relation to him whether if he forgets or he is jahil, he's ignorant about it. Naam, or the Imam has preceded him with the Fatiha. 
And so he's come, for example, and the Imam is already in Ruku'ah. And so he's missed the recitation of Fatiha. Naam, then it is not upon him and upon that upon that opinion which is Sahih. So is this claim of Shaykh Mubaz here clear? Shaykh Mubaz, first of all, he's saying that the Surah Al Fatiha is what? Is it a is it a condition? Is it a pillar? Is it a wajib? Recitation of Fatiha. It's a pillar in relation to who? Who is that pillar for? For the Imam and the one, one praying by himself. So it's an obligation for the Imam and the one praying by himself. As for the one that's following the Imam, then what? It's khilaf now, but what is Sheikh Mubad mentioning here though? Now, he mentioned something before that as well, though. In relation to the one that is following the Imam. So, if the one's the Imam himself, or he is, um, or he's praying by himself, then it's a rukun, it's a pillar. He has to do something fatiha. Naam. As for the one that's following the Imam, then what? He can read where he's talking. Now, what do you say? The wajib. So what's what's the difference between the wajib and the rukun? Did you say earlier? The wajib can be made up by something else, and it can be it can uh, be removed by way of the fact that they forgot or they were jahil. Now, so here, Sheikh Mubaz is mentioning that if, for example, someone's following the Imam and they did not recite Fatiha, they did not recite Fatiha, they forgot to recite Fatiha. Or they um, they were not aware of the obligation of Sajid Fatiha. Then this is something which is the wajib upon him. It's not now a rukun. No, it's not the it's not the situation where it's a rukun. This is the the kalam of Sheikh Mubaz. And thereafter, he goes on to mention that likewise, it's not upon them to recite the Fatiha if they have come to the Salah and the Imam has already recited the Fatiha. For example, the Imam is in Rukur. If they catch the Rukur of the Imam, then the result of Fatiha is not upon them. And the proof that is used for that is where the Rasul Sallallahu came across Abu Bakr and he made the Rukur with the Imam. Naam, what's the, what's the narration of you? Is this is, is uh, Sheikh Mubazi referring to? Narration of Abu Bakr. What occurred within this narration? No, not Abu Bakr, Abu Bakr. You want another narration? No, how did he enter the masjid? He, he entered the masjid in Rukwa. And then did what? And so he walked in the state in the in the position of report to the road. Naam. He walked in the state in the position of the report to the road. Time. And the Nabi Salah was aware of this and what did he state to him? 
زادك الله حرصا ولم تعد يعني الله تعالى increase in حرص يعني be steadfast in regard ولم تعد do not repeat it I do not repeat it طيب so what we understand from the statement Allah تعالى عالم النبي عليه الصلاة والسلام do not repeat it is do not repeat it due to the fact that I do not come late to the salah However, the Nabi left it at that. He did not tell him to repeat the rak'ah. What we understand from this, from this narration is that he came at the point of rukur. Now, he entered the slot at the point of rukur. So then, if he's entered the slot at the point of rukur, then of course what he's missed is what? Surah Al-Fatiha. The Imam has completed Fatiha. But the Nabi did not tell him to repeat the rak'ah. And so if we understood that if a person missed the fatiha, he has to repeat the rak'ah, then the Nabi would have told him to repeat the rak'ah. And how do you know the Nabi would have told him to repeat the rak'ah? It's because he told the one that prayed badly to repeat the prayer. Naam. So it's not a case where we don't have any evidence where the Nabi alayhi salatu has told someone not to repeat the, or to repeat the prayer. This is a curse. Now, the one that prayed badly, as we've been discussing, and in what we discussed in the last lesson, the one that had the patch of dry skin or the patch where the, the water hadn't reached from the wudu. He told him to go back, repeat the wudu, repeat the prayer. Now, so we understand from this that the, once a person uh, makes the record of the Imam, then he has made the Salah. Naam. And so here, Shaykh Mubaraz mentions, as for the, 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 the Fatiha, if the one is following the Imam, then the Fatiha is a wajib upon him as well. Naam. And so from what's uh, apparent, Shaykh bin Baz is seeking to make Jam'ah Yani Seeking to make uh, In Jam'ah is seeking to combine between the two Central opinions in this regard About the Ma'mum But generally speaking what you find From the two opinions of the one that is following the Imam Is that especially if you're talking about the The Salat al-Jahra And the loud prayers Then they will state that the individual needs to um, recite the Fatiha. Some mention has to recite, it does recite the Fatiha, even if the Imam has recited it out loud. Whilst other states know that they, they must remain silent. Now, Sheikh Mubarak mentioned something, yani somewhere in between that, where he mentions that the individual should recite it, however, if he doesn't, Taskut Anhu. And if he doesn't recite it, then it's something that is not uh, held against him. Wallahu ta'ala. A'lam. And. Now, so it's removed by way of nisyan or, or jahl, yani, by way of forgetfulness or ignorance. Or by, the, by way of the fact that they missed the qiyam itself, they missed the standing behind the imam. Now, so if they miss. The standard behind the Imam, however, 
they reach the rakah, then they have made the, the rakah. They made the rakah. Now, as for the one that has the ability, amma ida im amkanahu yakra li kauli sallallahu alaihi wasallam la alakum takraun khalf al imamakum kulla naam. Qal la tafalu illa bifatihat al kitab inhu la salal man lam yakra biha. And so we have the narration where images and so on. Thus, there's hope that you can recite behind your imam. And they said, yes, we're able to. He says, do not do anything except by reciting, by uh, reciting the fire test of kitab, the source of the For indeed, there is no salah for the one that does not recite ayah the fire This is the amum amum al-hadith, in the general understanding of hadith. Naam. And so, the Fatiha is preceded by Naam the Fatiha itself is preceded by the Ta'awwud Istiftah after Takbir Ihram. So it's, it's preceded by the Ta'awwud, the Ta'awwud Billahi Min Shaitan Min Rajeem, and the Dua Istiftah, Subhanakallahumma bihamdik wa tabarak ismak wa ta'ala jantik wa la ilaha illa ghayrak. Naam, and this is Istiftah Mukhtasar, yani the short. Um, Manner in which a person begins the salah. And from the most authentic of the hadith in relation to the dua and istiftah. And it, it relates to the hadith or a hadith that have been narrated by Aisha, by Abu Sa'id al Khudri, as well as Umar. And other than them. And it's from the small, the sources of the du'as as well, of istiftah. And all of it is tawheed. All of it is. Ta'id. All of it is regarded being the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The statement subhanahu wa ta'ala bihamdik wa tabarak ismik wa ta'ala jantik wa la ilaha illa ghayrak. Hada akhsaruha. And there's istiftahat of the other du'as of istiftah as well. Wallahu ta'ala. A'lam al-bidli now will conclude here. And go on to discuss further the dua of the istiftah as well as the the, the, the fatiha itself and some of the speech regarding the fatiha and then we'll discuss as well some of the other arkan in our next uh, lessons wallahu ta'ala a'lam jazakum wa khaira wa barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu wa barak ala nabi muhammad وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم